It's the Emeritus with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Uh Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? What day is it, Steve, producer Steve? Hump day. Aha. All right. (laughs) Just had to dig that classic out. I Mm. forgot about that. That was what? Was that a Geico commercial or something? Absolutely Geico. Yeah, they're so creative, that's for sure. So, well, it is hump day. Welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. There is all kinds of great information there. And sign up for my emails. I will keep you apprised of upcoming guest topics and important events. I am the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering you a conservatarian perspective. Um, As many of you know, I have a very exciting event coming up next Monday. I am partnering with Dr. Tom Cranawitter, his team at Speakeasy Ideas, and Jen Hewlin, owner of Water's Edge Winery over in Centennial. And we are bringing you Vino and Veritas Wine and Truth. Uh, Dr. Cranawitter is creating a fascinating lecture series on the Federalist Papers. We are meeting the fourth Monday of each month throughout 2019. The good news and the bad news is we are sold out. However, get on the wait list. Email me at kimandamerichicks.com, and we'll make sure that you get on the wait list. We are are creatively thinking how to address all of this demand, and uh, we certainly will deliver on that. We just don't know exactly what that's going to look like right now. And January's presenting sponsor was Harmony Ridge Construction. They can, they can help you with any of those projects that you are wanting to do to enhance your home, whether it might be, you know, something in the, the backyard, maybe one, make one of those beautiful patios uh, with a fireplace and, and all, or, you know, a bathroom, um, you know, kitchen. They are just fantastic. So thank you to Harmony Ridge Construction. And then February's presenting sponsor is Susan Kochevar. She is the owner of the historic 88 Drive-In Theater, and it is hard to believe that spring is right around the corner, and Susan will open sometime in March. So we are so grateful to our presenting sponsors, and that, again, is Harmony Ridge Construction in January, and in February, uh, Susan Kochevar with the 88 Drive-In Theater. Thrilled to have, we've got quite a show planned for you today. Uh, we will be talking with my, Matthias Carlson, he is a Swedish politician. He is a Swedish, uh, I think it's a Democrat, let me take a look, party, yeah, the Sweden Democrats. He is uh, in Colorado, and he is actually going to be talking, giving some information about a why na- uh, national conservatives and traditional conservatives need to come together. So that is going to be a very interesting conversation. In the second segment, Amy Oliver Cook, you know her. She is, is, she's just quite a woman. She has really stands for independence and freedom, and she just happens to be the executive director of the Independence Institute. But we will be talking about TABOR, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights that was passed back in 1992 in Colorado, and it has been under assault. And so we're going to talk about that. 
And then thrilled to have in studio with me, Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management. Jason, how are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm great, Kim, and thanks for having me on again. As always, I'm very honored to be part of your show. And we'll be talking about preparing to to succeed uh, in the third and fourth segment regarding your finances. Yeah, we're going to have a discussion, uh, pick up where we left off last time, where we were talking about your 401k and why it's not as scary as you think it is, and give you a few ideas how you might be able to manage it better, do a few tweaks that uh, could make you happier, healthier, and wealthier. I like that. So that'll be in the third and fourth segment. Uh, before we actually talk to Matthias Carlson, the Swedish uh, politician that is in Colorado right now, uh, I wanted, first of all, I think a little inspiration every morning is, in, is important. So I just have a little quote from Vince Lombardi, the great football coach, where he said, Perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. And uh, so just a little something to send you off into the day on that. And then Steve, producer Steve, did you know that the star of Cake Boss was arrested for a DWI? No. Yes, police interrogated him for 30 minutes at 350 degrees. That's from comedian Joe Toplin. Uh, let's go ahead and jump in and talk to our first guest, uh, Matthias Carlson uh, from Sweden. Welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Thank you very much. Uh, so you're in Colorado. Uh, yeah, the Steamboat Institute has uh, brought you out to Colorado. Why are you here? I'm actually in New York at the moment. I'm here with the official Swedish delegation from, from Parliament uh, on, on a diplomatic mission to the United Nations, but I'm going to Colorado in a few days. Okay. Uh, well, welcome to America. <laughs> thank you very much. I arrived yesterday evening, so I'm still a bit jet lagged. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, so, what? First of all, what do you hope to attain in New York? Why are you in New York? I, I am hoping to to advocate conservative policies because I'm here with a delegation of of uh, socialist liberal. Uh, MPs, and, and we are talking about multilateralism in the United Nations, and uh, what they are doing, they want to increase the power of the supranational um, organizations like the EU and, and, and the United Nations, and I'm here to try to have a counter voice to that, uh, basically. Uh, of course, there is also some national interest that we are agreeing on that we want to discuss with American counterparts. So, Matthias Carlson, are you advocating for Swexit then instead of Brexit? So it'll be Swexit with Sweden? <laughs> uh, not, what we're saying at the moment is that uh, we want to wait and see. I think that it's a, a healthy conservative policy to, to uh, not uh, rush into anything. We want to... Uh, Definitely, we want to bring back more of the of the power and democracy to the Swedish population instead of the bureaucrats in Brussels. Uh, but we want to see uh, how the Brexit process is, is turning out and, and to, to learn from that. And then we, we, we will evaluate the situation. Well, now, interesting, you're talking about really more sovereignty uh, for a country, which is a conservative yeah. principle. But yet... Uh, from when I'm looking at your bio, it says that you are a, Swe a Swedish Democrat. So explain that to me. Yeah, we are, we, we are a national conservative party. We are conservative in essence in, in most issues. Then uh, we are a Scandinavian party, and Scandinavia is a bit 
different from America. So uh, when it comes to, to uh, the welfare state and those kind of issues, I, I guess I will be considered more liberal here in America. But in Sweden, I'm, I'm, I'm considered to be very, very conservative. <laughs> uh, and uh, we are putting a lot of emphasis on, on, on preserving our identity and our culture and uh, our national sovereignty. Okay. Well, that's fascinating. Now, many times over here in America, the um, Scandinavian countries are held up as models, as socialist countries. How how would you address that? Now, I, our system is, is based on a thousand years of history. Uh, you cannot just uh, take that system and uh, implement it in the United States. That would be the ones who are advocating that don't really understand the history and the culture of, of the Scandinavian countries, and they don't really understand, I think, the culture and history of, of America either. Uh, and what is important to know, I think, is that the welfare system that we have, that the, the American left is celebrating, is is based basically on, on conservative culture. It, it was only working, it, it, it's on decline now, and it was only working when we had a conservative culture where people were doing their duty, uh, were not demanding the rights all the time, and uh, when we had a strong social coercion and a strong common identity and culture in our countries. Uh, at the moment, we are seeing uh, big cracks in the system. Okay, then that goes to the next question. What about the the immigra- immigration issue in Sweden? I, I've read pieces about it that said that the, the immigration from the... the um, Middle East countries has been difficult in Sweden. What what do you think about that? Yeah, I would say that that is almost an understatement. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's been a dis- disaster actually to the to the Swedish society on on many different levels. Uh, uh, we, we can see it. Uh, it has an economical impact because many of the newly arrived uh, have a very hard time to provide for themselves, and they become dependent on social welfare. Uh, we have seen an, uh, a horrible increase in crime, especially uh, sexual-related uh, crimes, and, and that is uh, even due to the government board of statistics for, for, for crime statistics. That is, to a large extent, cultural factors behind that, that uh, different view of women, for example. The latest survey showed that one out of three young Swedish women uh, are subjected to rape, sexual assault, or, or harassment every year now. And that is a horrible development. That is we a- had several terrorist attacks uh, in Sweden. That was unthinkable uh, just when I was growing up. But uh, just two years ago, we had a, uh Islamist um, killing a lot of people in central Stockholm. Okay. Hey, uh, Matthias, our, my co-host here, Jason McBride, has a question for you. Hi, Matthias. Uh, I had a question about how... In Sweden, they react to this immigration because here in America, you know, there's a battle over it. Uh, One side saying that it's perfect, there's no problems. Uh, The other side wants to deal with it. Do you have kind of that same divide in Sweden with uh, the two parties or two different schools of thought kind of going head to head on this? Yes, it's uh, the Swedish uh, political system is very polarized and it's a big division and has been for many years and, and immigration has been in the, at the center of this. There was a shift, though, uh, in attitude in 2015 when they had the migrant crisis. You might have heard about that. Mm-hmm. And Sweden was receiving uh, more uh, illegals and immigrants per capita than any other country. And 
eventually even the socialists had to admit that this is not sustainable uh, and they had to to uh, change the laws and make them a little bit more restrictive but uh, they haven't really learned anything because now they are they are trying to make it more again but it is it's still a big conflict a very emotional conflict and it's at the center of swedish politics and has changed the political landscape completely in sweden Wow. Matthias, this is fascinating. The time has gone way too quickly. Uh, we're out of time. What would be your your message to Americans right now? What would you like to say to Americans? Uh, don't don't uh, repeat our mistakes. And I think that it's important to know for American conservatives that the political landscape in Europe are changing. And it's important that the conservatives in America and the national conservatives like, like me and my counterparts in many other European countries uh, that we cooperate more closely because our uh, our enemies, the liberals, the, the left, they are cooperating across borders, and I think we need to do the same. Well, Matthias, I tell you, you you inspire me this morning. I I know you're in New York, enjoy New York, but you're going to really love Colorado when you get out here. And it's just been a, a great to get to speak with you this morning. Thank you very much. I'm sure I will enjoy Colorado. It's a beautiful state. Oh, absolutely. So that was Matthias Carlson. He is a a Swedish politician and uh, just a great great. Great comments. I learned a lot. Uh, before we go to break, I uh, wanted to just mention my, my story with Hooters Restaurants is a story of liberty, free markets, and a conservatarian perspective. It stems from when I served on city council in Lone Tree. And uh, if you're interested, it's a fascinating story. Just email me and I'll let you know about that. And I love sports, individuals working hard to be the best they can be to compete and win and lose. And Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters. Uh, the Nuggets and the Avs, but March Madness is right around the corner, and I can't wait. I am a KU basketball fan, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. So Hooters is the place to watch the games. They have a special starting at $10 for a draft and 10 bonus wings, and Hooters wings can fly. You can have them delivered right to your front doorstep. So uh, if you want more information, go to HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. Let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. We'll be right back. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Now 
little sunshine sounds just fantastic. Welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. I'm dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for my emails, and I am the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering you a conservatarian perspective. Uh, Thrilled to have in studio with me. Guest co-host Jason McBride, it's great to have you here. Yep, thank you, Kim. Great to be here. And producer Steve is running the boards. And on the line with me is a woman of, uh, I just truly admire her. I could go through the whole introduction and actually would rather talk to her. So Amy Oliver Cook, you are the executive director over at the Independence Institute. Uh, you keep an eye on energy. You realize that reliable, affordable, efficient energy helps everyday people thrive and prosper. But you also realize that if people have more money in their pocket, that's a good thing too, right, Amy? Uh, you found and Kim, um, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, uh, we're talking about the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, our Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, and it essentially in you know passed in Colorado in 1992, and it says that voters have the right to approve taxes, yes or no. Government can't uh, raise taxes unless voters say yes that they can. It doesn't mean government can never raise taxes. It just means it has to make a good case to Colorado voters as to why they need additional money. And we have seen of late, well, really, I, I would say it's the, it's the progressive left dream They've taken over um, all of the, certainly the statewide offices and in the General Assembly. The last thing they have left on their to-do list list is to completely eliminate our taxpayers' bill of rights, which also says that uh, government can't grow faster than the rate of inflation plus population. Um, and, and the additional revenue above that that it receives, which, by the way, is our money doesn't belong to them it's our money they must give it back and i gotta tell you the left the democrats hate Tabor. well there's re- the you know there's republicans and you know what there's republicans that don't like Tabor very much too oh, it, it, there's no question there's no question um I, I, I and you're absolutely right there is a bipartisan dislike of of our taxpayers bill of rights because it's doesn't allow uh, elected officials to do whatever it is they want. They have to actually yes, get consent people. from the governed. But it's the um, it's the very leftist fiscal policy institute this year that I, I mean there are there are fifty ballot measures already were before the title board right now, and of those fifty, I would say probably ninety percent of them have to do with um, destroying Tabor, doing something to Tabor, doing doing away with our flat tax. Um, and there are a handful that uh, deal with Gallagher. But overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, the majority of them are some kind of dismantling of our right to pay for the size and scope of government that we want, not the size and scope of government that elected officials want, that we voters want. They hate us having a say. But what's funny about this, Kim, Coloradans love it. They absolutely love our Taxpayers' Bill of Rights. 
And in fact, uh, the Tabor Yes Coalition, of which you're a part, so thank you, um, the Tabor Yes Coalition uh, released a, a poll. We did it last Friday, and it shows um, if you just ask Coloradans, what do you think of our Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, 47% say, say yes. Yeah, we like it. There's a there's a huge swath right there in the middle. Twenty six percent say don't know. And I think it's twenty eight or, or whatever the balances are are opposed to it. When you just read them the definition of it, just the definition, you don't get into anything else. You say you say uh Tabor passed in nineteen ninety two, um, allows voters to to vote on any tax increase and it limits the growth of government to inflation plus population. You just read them that. And, and people go, well, that, that makes mean, sense. That just makes yeah, sense. Right? They, in, in color, across all swaths, 71%, 71% wow. said, yes, we like tape. Okay, so with that couple of things, you said that the there is a number of... Um, uh, what is it? They're asking. They're at the title ballot board. measures. Ballot measures yeah. at, the, at the title board. So would that be on the ballot this November? Yes. Okay, that was the first question. Second question: What do you see down at the legislature? Are they going to take a swipe at it? Because before uh, John Hickenlooper left office, uh, Governor Hickenlooper he he indicated that he wanted to really take the teeth out of Tabor. The uh, one other thing is uh, Governor Hickenlooper, you know, is thinking about running for president, and he's running all over the country talking about the great economic environment out here in Colorado. And I would submit to you that one of the reasons that we have had uh, some, some, you know, really great economic numbers over the past is because of Tabor. And I, no I would also submit to you that if, in fact, you know, it's it's no longer the Democrat Party of JFK. It has now been taken over by those by radical progressive activist socialists, really. I mean, with socialist policies. And if those are instituted in Colorado, I think we'll start to see what is going on in New York. A- Andrew Cuomo, you know, had, had thought it would be a great idea to tax the rich. And they said, well, we're leaving. And uh, I, I think the same thing can happen here in Colorado. So the fact that Hickenlooper is taking credit for what I think Tabor really has done for the economy is disingenuous on his part. No question, because what happens under if you look at if you look at what what the state was doing just before Tabor, so prior to 1992, and you look at afterward, um, the private sector has grown much faster than government. Yay! (laughs) And except in the last. 10 years, because remember what we've done in the last 10 years, there was the massive Tabor timeout. Now, government is still is, is still growing. I mean, the, the, the private sector is still growing um, and is still he- healthy in Colorado. It just, let me, the best way to put it is even a weakened Tabor after the, ref, the referendum C Tabor timeout, whatever they called it, back in two you know, 2005, mm-hmm. I don't know, but um, it, it, a weakened Tabor, even a weakened Tabor is so much better than no Tabor. The left knows that, and they want to get rid of it. But, yes, you are absolutely right. Tabor is responsible for a healthy, thriving private sector in Colorado because it allows Coloradans to one decide how much government they want, and two, um, and you couple that with our our flat income tax, 
it's like rocket fuel. Mm-hmm. You get to keep more of the money you earn, and you in turn invest it in our state. I mean, this it's rocket fuel, but it isn't rocket science. It, it is that easy. Just look at what's happening to New York. Well, most definitely. Now, what you had mentioned, Amy, you explained that that Tabor is is basically just good manners between uh, the the citizen and the people that they elect and the bureaucrats. They're they're saying, hey, politicians and bureaucrats, if you want to raise our taxes, you need to ask us. And then there's this formula between population and inflation. And if we take in more money over that formula and you want to keep that money, politicians and bureaucrats, you have to ask us. I mean, that just makes common sense. But uh, I did a podcast with Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management. He's in studio. And I and we talked about Tabor last week. And I realized the one thing that I forgot, and that is, is that politicians and bureaucrats since 1992 and, and attorneys have been trying to figure out how to get around Tabor. So with many of these ballot measures, it could be your little parks and recreation tax district. It could be your road district. It could be your library district. It could be your city. If they have come to you with a Tabor question, uh, such as, um, you know, maybe raising taxes, many times what they do then is they insert in that language of that ballot measure, hey, if in fact we, you know, have additional money over that cap, can we keep that money? Now, they never say that that's in there. That's kind of the devil in the details. But that has been a way that they have been trying to take the teeth out of, of Tabor, in addition, of course, going to the Supreme Court here in Colorado. But every time I see that in any kind of a ballot measure, I vote no, because that seems disingenuous to me that they are trying to sneak that in there. Well, absolutely. And and um, you mentioned the state Supreme Court. The other thing is, you know, it used to be that you could quote what they call debrouge or get out from underneath Tabor for four for four years. That's what the, that's what the language says four years. And I guess the state Supreme Court misread four years and thought it said forever. And so they're allowing um, governments to to do this forever, not four years, as the language says, forever. The other thing is, if they can't get a tax, they just fee us. They, 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 they turn something into a fee. Uh, we all know that the, the hospital tax, to tax, it's called a hospital provider fee here in Colorado. In every single other state, it is a tax. No other state calls it a fee. Oh, except for Colorado. We call it a fee because it, that that gives the legislature the ability to to um, that they can raise fees with a simple, you know, a simple minor, uh, majority vote. So you get 51 legislature legislators, or you get uh, you know what is it? Um, there are uh, 65 in the House, and you've got uh, 35 in the Senate. You get a majority in each chamber, and and you can pass a fee without a vote of the people, and and the uh, state Supreme Court has been very generous in what it defines as a fee. Essentially, anything an elected official says is a fee, they go, yeah, it's a fee. It's so that's how they have gotten around mm-hmm. our taxpayers' bill of rights and been able to grow government. Um, and that's what that really the last 10 years that that's been happening. Well, 10, 12 years. Okay. Well, now, Amy, um, 
what can we do? I, I'm very hopeful. I was uh, at a, a Topics and Topics meeting last night. It was 35 people, if you can believe it, on you know a cold Colorado evening. And people are hungry. There's, there's a couple of things. I think that we need to know you know, why we believe what we believe. And I think people are hungry for knowledge. So that's one of the reasons why I do the show. You know, you're out there informing people. People need to know why we believe what we believe. But then action items. What would you suggest that everyday hardworking people that are listening right now, what should they do to try to protect this? Because economic well-being, you need to have... You need to have economic well-being so that you can thrive and prosper. And that means keeping more of your hard-earned money. So what do we need to do? What would be your call to action? Okay. Two things. One, go to the Tabor Yes Coalition, TaborYes.com, TaborYes.com. Really easy. And, and become a member of the coalition. And when I say a member, just put your name on there so that peop- so that elected officials and everybody know you're part of that 71%. Nice. That loves Tabor. Be a part of it. Join the cool kids. Be a part of the Tabor Yes Coalition. You sign up there. We'll we'll get your name. um, We'll get your name on our on our page. The second thing, and this is to the ladies in particular. um, This is about consent because here's what we hear a lot. Oh, with Tabor, Tabor kills schools. Not true. Simply about asking consent. You wouldn't allow your kids, or you would certainly be disappointed if your kids went in, went over to a friend's house and just went and took something without asking. Right. Or if somebody came over to your house and decided, oh, I really like your scarf, I think I'm just going to take it and go. This is simply about asking. That's it. And, and, and ladies, what we, um, the some the softest support or uh op- or the softest support for Tabor, if there is such a thing because there is is among um suburban women and once you tell them the consent issue then they go oh yeah consent right now i get it okay this is simply about like you said good manners Oh, well, that's for sure. Well, Amy Oliver Cook, so the place to go is TaborYes.com. And also there's all kinds of great stuff at uh, the Independence Institute. That is what I2I.org. There's great information there as well, Amy. So thank you so much. Keep us in the loop. And uh, I just, uh, I so appreciate all the work that you do. So Amy, have a great day. Thanks, Kim. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. Now, we're going to go to break. When we come back, Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management, is in studio here. And we're going to talk about planning about your economic well-being. And uh, we'll start with 401ks, right, Jason? Yeah, I think that'll take us to the end of the show. It probably will. It will. Okay, so we'll go to break. We'll be right back. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today, 303-888-2732. 
you want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson dissecting issues, news, politics, and opinion as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's just have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for my emails. And I am the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering you a conservatarian perspective. Uh, thrilled to have in studio with me Jason McBride. You hear him every morning with uh, great tidbits, great nuggets of wisdom uh, with presidential wealth management. But today we're going to be talking about your your economic well-being, looking into the future so that you can thrive and prosper. And Jason, one of the, the components of that can be 401ks. Well, it sure can, Kim, and we talked about this a bit uh, about a month ago, and a lot of people are kind of afraid of their 401k. Uh, they, they don't understand the choices in there or what it means to set up contributions or make changes to the type of investment you have in there, and that's not everybody, but some folks, uh, just they haven't logged in. I've talked to people, well, I'm I'm kind of scared to do anything. I and mean, I think they have this fear they're going to accidentally hit the wrong button on their And keyboard. transfer their money to somebody yeah. else or and something. And then <laughs> blow all their money up in, in one second. But it's pretty hard to do that. Uh, but, Kim, we talked a little bit last time, <coughs> excuse me, about the different types of investments in there. You've kind of got stable value. Uh, then most of the time you've Which is got... like your money market. Yeah, right? it's like mm-hmm. the money market. That's your, your safest option. Uh, next up on the list is usually some kind of bonds or fixed income. You may have several different choices there. But by far, uh, in most plans, the biggest different amount of choices you're going to have is with stock funds. And that's where most people tend to invest, and uh, it's the most fun. It could also be the most painful at times. Uh, But what I wanted to talk about a little bit was how to maybe do your research a little bit more thoroughly, uh, especially on, on the stock funds that you might be picking and how to dig in there a little bit deeper to to maybe make your 401k a better experience for you overall and and to be able to stay along for the ride. Uh, Quite frankly, Kim, I think a a lot of times in the 401k, what they show on these funds is they'll show you the the Mm five-year average percentage and the seven-year and the 10-year. And by the way, the 10-year ones are going to look really, really good coming up here pretty quick. Okay. If you think about it, uh, once we get through this this March quarter of this year, mm-hmm. any remnant of the massive correction we had that ended in March of '09 is going to be off the books okay. for a 10-year record. In funds, they really like to talk about this 10-year record. So just be aware that uh, the 10-year and three-month record 
might not look as good as the 10-year record did. Does I, that make got, sense? So, so they're getting all the bad stuff is going to fall off the <laughs> edge of the cliff and make everybody's 10-year numbers just look wonderful. You know, one other question on that, Jason, and somebody that might have accomplished great numbers you know, the, the manager of the fund, they might have moved on. So do you need to look at that as well? You know, if you can, uh, and, and it does take some digging to do that. So I, I would say one of the first things to do uh, is look beyond just that, that average percentage return record. If there's a way, uh, pull up the fact sheet on the fund. And I think it's important, Kim, to look at the year-by-year numbers. Because, okay. you know, let's say there is a fund, and in the 10-year record, you look, and boy, this one's done 8% a year. It's done 10 or 11% or whatever looks good. I know a lot of folks... Uh, they just kind of pick, well, this one's done the best. I'm going to put my money in there because that sounds good. But I I think it's important to understand what was the ride like Mm -hmm. to get there as well. And those year-by-year numbers will give you some indication. Uh, Maybe that investment has done very well over the long term, but how did it do it? Did it it have a great year and then a terrible year? Uh, You know, in 2007, 8, 9, especially 2008, did it have a giant massive drop? And I think you need to look at those year-by-year numbers and be as honest with yourself, Kim, as you possibly can and say, really, if I would have been in that investment and it would have started dropping to the degree that it did in this year, that year, showed that type of volatility to the downside, would I have been able to stay aboard or not? You know, like, could your stomach take it? Could your stomach take it? Because, uh, again, there, it may have a wonderful uh, 10-year record, but it doesn't matter if you weren't along for the ride. If mm-hmm. it's so volatile that it's going to uh, give you a queasy stomach, uh, cause, again, that emotional response to bubble up where you get afraid that you're going to lose all your money and you end up selling out at the bottom, well, the fund might have a 10-year track record of 8%, but you certainly don't because you weren't on it. Got it. That, that's fascinating. That's great advice. Yeah, and I kind of liken it to, uh, you know, I imagine a, a guy probably talking very loudly, you know, a very small guy probably, that, that's bragging about what a wonderful roller coaster this is. Uh-huh. He's standing in front of it. Oh, this is the greatest roller coaster in the world. Uh, this ride is great. Well, did you ride it? No, I got scared on the first dip and made him <laughs> let me off. Oh, so it's it's kind of the same thing, yeah. Kim. You know, you need to be uh, honest. Could you could you stay along for the ride? So do some further digging into the fund, Kim. And I think you made a good point too. Uh, sometimes managers change in a fund. Uh, it may be acquired by another fund and. Usually that information is not readily available anywhere. You might actually have to pick up the phone, God forbid, mm-hmm. and actually call uh, the, the fund and, and ask them some, some pointed questions. How long have the managers been there? Did you guys change your strategy significantly at some point and, and find out how consistent it's been. Yeah, just do a little checking. That's N- right. Knowledge is power. That's right. And we always have to say in, in my business, and I agree, uh, past performance is no guarantee of future results. So 
beyond the the just the numbers that you've seen, I mean, I think a, a past track record is important to look mm-hmm. at. But but sometimes uh, some of the the best performing investments are are newer ones. I mean, there you, you won't find them in four hundred one k's too often, unfortunately. Uh, but but sometimes a newer fund can perform very very well, and so it's important to also understand what is their strategy in that mm-hmm. fund. How are they choosing? the investments that are in there, or is it just an index fund? And uh, I just think it, it makes sense to ask a few questions mm-hmm. and understand as well as you can what you're investing into. Well, and what about the costs for 401ks? People get kind of concerned about uh, fees and costs. However, I, I think that sometimes, I mean, if you get something for free, that's what you know it may not be that great sometimes it's not excuse me kim now now inside most plans you're going to have a you know a couple of what they call index funds that are just very passive they just invest in the same stocks as the s&p 500 for example or another index uh they don't make any decisions they don't try to get rid of the the stocks they think are the worst and put more in the ones they think are better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, those are very cheap, uh, especially over the last few years. There's just been a huge push uh, on, you know, two 401k administrators about cost. You've got to have funds with the lowest fees. In fact, there, there's been some, some cases where, uh, you know, they've, they've tried to prosecute, for lack of a better word to put it, administrators that had investments in there that they felt the fees or the costs were too now, high. Now, who's they? Uh, I guess regulators. Uh, I, I guess, yeah, you know. It was a setup. Uh, I was going to ask that lawyers, question. Lawyers, yeah. you know, looking for a quick buck, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's good to get a bargain if you can. But, but again, I wouldn't uh, just go and pick the investments you're going to choose in your 401k by the ones that have the cheapest cost because that's not always the best. If a manager has a strategy where they're a little bit more active, uh, that's going to cause more activity inside Mm -hmm. of And so the costs do go up a little bit. Uh, I'm not advocating to pick the highest cost Mm -hmm. in there, uh, but I'll tell you what, uh, just for example, if you know, if one investment has a cost of, let's even say 3% a year, but over time it's netted you out a 10% a year return on average, I'd rather have that one than one that only costs a half a percent a year and only put 8% in my pocket. Because what really counts is the bottom line. Well, you know, and I'm thinking about it, you know, say if you're going to paint your house, you can go out and get a bid on all different kinds of painters. You could have the, the most expensive, you could have the least expensive, and you decide to go with the least expensive, but you haven't really checked it out, the quality of work, and you find out all your windows are, sh- you know, painted shut and all kinds of things. So you need to make sure that you know who you're working with, and it's a value for value. You know, you want, you want to make sure that that uh, you're you're hiring them and you kind of agree at whatever that fee is. And, um, you know, so I think it's important to do the homework on that as well, Jason. Yeah, I do, and I agree. And, Kim, you know, sometimes you don't get what you pay for. Let's face it, sometimes there's 
funds or painters or whatever that, that charge more than others, and their work is, is crummier than someone that might do it for less. So uh, the more digging you can do, the better understanding you can do. And again, I, I don't want to be repetitive, but I think this is so important. You, you need to try to look at those year-by-year numbers and now that we've got 10 years past, it's going to get harder to find. Mm-hmm. What did that fund do in 2007? What did it do in 2008 when the market was really bad? When I look at investments, that's one of the first things I always try to figure out is how did this perform when the chips were down? Okay, well, that's good advice. Jason, let's go to break. But yes. I know one of the questions that people ask you a lot is if the market is down, should they stop putting dollars into their 401k? So let's mull that over while we go to break. And when we come back, we'll hear what you have to say. Okay. This is Kim Munson with Jason McBride. We will be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. Yeah, it'd be really nice to have some fast lanes right here in Colorado, wouldn't it? Huh? Ha. Anyway, hey, welcome back to the Ameritics. Oh, it's that horrible Tabor that prevents us from having better roads. That's what it is. Not enough money. They don't have enough money. money. Uh, I don't think that's the problem, Jason. I would challenge on that. Uh, Hey, Steve, you you said you went ahead and signed up for Tabor Yes. While you guys were talking about it, I just drifted over there and super easy, super fast, just pull up Tabor Yes and sign up. You know, Steve, everybody needs to do something to protect the the ability for individuals to thrive and prosper. So that's just a little tiny thing that you could do is go to TaborYes.com and sign up. And if Steve can do it, Jason, anybody can do it. Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> that was harsh. If your mic goes dead in the next <laughs> we'll five minutes, you'll know why. We'll know yeah. Why. So, okay. Well, let's go ahead and we, uh, guys, we're already in the, the last segment. Jason, this is such great information. Uh, People ask the question, they say, if the market is down, should I continue to put money into my, or uh, should I stop putting dollars into my 401k, or what should they do? What do you say? You know, we do get that question, and uh, and again, it's human nature, it's human behavior. Uh, we all know that we should buy low and sell high, uh, but I, it's a saying I've heard, and I agree with, everybody wants to buy low until the opportunity actually presents itself. That's and then everybody wants to get scared and, and not buy or, or do the opposite. But, yeah, we do get those calls a lot, especially when the market's bad. Oh, should I stop putting money into my 401K? It's been going down recently. Uh, my answer to that would be probably not. I mean, there's certain instances where it may make sense, which uh, we could talk about a little. But, but honestly, um, if the values have gone down, uh, in a 401K, keep in mind... Uh, most of what you're going to invest in are 
diversified investments. They're funds. I mean, they're they're likely not going to go to zero uh, because they've got tons of different investments in them. Now, if you have a company stock and you're putting a lot into one stock, you need to keep a very close eye on that because okay. any individual stock can go to zero. Theoretically, I mean, just ask uh, people that worked for Enron or even General Motors when they went bankrupt. No matter how good one company is, something can happen. So you have to handle that more carefully. But I would say that when the market is down, you're investing for the long term. You're investing in diversified funds. In most cases, I would almost say, Kim, to do exactly the opposite and ask your HR person if you can increase your contributions while the market is low. That way you get in and get more shares while things are cheap. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, and like you say, that's opposite to human nature. And I love what you've said, that people know that they need to buy low, except when the opportunity presents itself. Well, it's scary to buy low. It is. The news is never great when things are low. I mean, every time things get really cheap, it's it's like the end of the world's coming. Uh, this late, Just think about the fourth quarter we just had last year. Uh, mm-hmm. The markets took a big drop. It was very scary. Um, yeah, and I can just go by the, the, the phone calls I get. Uh, you know, I compliment my clients. I don't get a whole bunch of panicky calls, but mm-hmm. you get a few, and I, you know, I, I mean, the calls of, well, should we get out or sell, uh, far outnumber the ones that, well, this looks like an opportunity. Do we have right. any cash available to buy by three to one? So uh, it is interesting. I get that. And so what about dollar cost averaging? Dollar cost averaging uh, is a simple term that was cooked up uh, to keep you always adding money all the time. Okay. It's not a strategy. It's a marketing uh, thing. Uh, I've never thought about it that way. Well, it is because it just keeps you not thinking and just putting money in automatically uh, because they say, well, if you dollar cost average, you'll get a better average price. My question is, well, a better average price compared to what? Uh Because think about it. The market usually is going up. It's you, most of the time, Kim, right? It's usually right. climbing. It's going higher and higher and higher. So when you dollar cost average just mindlessly, think about it. You're always buying shares higher, 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 higher. Most of the time when the market has a correction, it's fairly quick and then it comes back up. So when it takes those quick drops... Dollar cost average, yeah, you might buy a few extra shares But you've already cheap, invested in the higher prices. But that's right. So I think there's a way to improve it. It just takes a little bit of work. You know, when your money goes into your 401k, you can direct where it, where it lands. Mm-hmm. So I think a good strategy is this. And, and I, I don't know exact numbers, but uh, let's just say someone's putting in $500 a month just as, a, as an example. Mm-hmm. You know, look at a simple chart on even Yahoo or whatever of the S&P 500 of the market and just ask yourself, does it look like it's really high right now? And I would say develop just a strategy where if the market's really high, let's say you're putting 500 into your 401k, 
Well, when the market's high, just stick a piece of that into the money market fund temporarily. Mm-hmm. Start building kind so a of percentage a, of that. Yeah. Maybe you say you, you can design a little system yourself, but let's say when the market's high, you put $100 of that or 200 into the stable value fund. So you're building up kind of this powder keg of cash. Okay. So the next time prices drop... And your instinct is to sell. Instead, you're taking that powder keg of cash and putting it in in one shot and buying more shares cheap. This also prevents you from buying too many shares when prices are high. Seems like that's common sense. And you don't I have mean, to, that's great. You don't have to look at it every day. You can just say, okay, once a quarter, I'm going to look at kind of where do I think the market is? Is it high, low, in between? And just develop a strategy on your own to to try to put in a little bit less actually into the market-oriented investments when it's really high. And But then you've got to have the guts when, when it gets ugly and things get cheap to put in chunks of that when, when the, the prices are low. That is, uh, that's the real, I think that's really good that's advice. A, that's like a dollar cost averaging 2.0. Yeah. It's dollar cost averaging and using your brain a little bit at the same time. Boy, you put those things together and it looks like it would be success. Well, it could, but sometimes <laughs> when people uh, combine their brains with things, it could be dangerous as well. Well, this is true. This Just is... look at our state legislator. It's legislation. I... I... Okay, well, I don't I, think they I, have I was, any brains. I, you can that see, not, Steve. Yeah, I, I okay. never. Yeah, I stepped I was, I right went, into that. I was one. in the. If I couldn't say anything nice, I wasn't going to say anything at all, Jason. So, well, <laughs> and here's here's one more. Uh, you know, uh, a couple people might get mad at me for invoking the name of John Bogle, who is the founder of Vanguard Funds, and he just passed away recently. God bless him. I've got nothing against him. But he's a perfect example of why this is just a marketing scheme more than a strategy. There was an interview with John Bogle, and I've got the video clip, and it was stunning to me. They were interviewing him. This was a few years back. Well, John, what do you think uh, is in store for the markets for the next few years? Boy, I'll I'll tell you. I I think that we could really be in trouble, and I wouldn't be surprised if... If we saw a 50% drop in the markets over the next few years, wow, John, that, that's a pretty pretty big uh, drop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really think that we could be in some big trouble. So, John, what do you think people should do? Oh, nothing. Just keep investing anyway and, and ride it out for the long term. So that's the thing that probably got your blood pressure going. Well, it did because I'm sitting here thinking now that, that would be like me driving down a road with my family in a car and a cop is there standing in the road. He waves me down and I say, what's the problem, officer? Well, we've got uh, information that the bridge up there might be about to fall apart. Oh, should I take an alternate route? No, just go ahead and keep driving. Mm-hmm. It's the same comparison. So, again, how do you speak out of both sides of your mouth that way mm-hmm. and say, I believe the market might really be in big trouble over the next few years, but just keep putting your money in there anyway? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you really believe that, I would say stick your money off to the side, wait until it does get cheap, and then put the money in. Right. So it's prevalent throughout the industry to just brainlessly keep investing. Um, I don't think you should stop putting money into your 401k, 
but you can be smarter about where you place the money depending on the condition of the market at the time. Well, and Jason, over we're out of time. These are so fascinating, and we're going to do this once a month for sure because people uh, are learning so much, and that's uh, that's another thing that we want to do on the show is is hopefully bring nuggets of wisdom so that people can have their economic well being, their political well-being. Those are things that we want to do here. So thank you so much for for being with us. No, it was my pleasure. And thanks for having me, Kim. I hope your uh, ratings don't take a huge plummet, (laughs) but uh, you know, you got to take a chance once in a while. Well, I I tell you what, from what I hear from people, they're liking it a lot. So thank you so much, Jason McBride over at Presidential Wealth Management. Uh, For more information, uh, the guys and gals over there, at Presidential Wealth Management. It is chickspresidential.com. We have our own landing page with you. I have my own landing page, chickspresidential.com, so be sure and check that out. Yep. The phone number is 303-694-1600, 303-694-1600. So Calvin Coolidge, quote, says, All growth depends upon activity. There is no development physically or intellectually without effort. And effort means work, which that's uh, kind of what you were talking about regarding investments. You need to take the work to keep an eye on it. So thank you so much, Jason. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.